The Bible. It's one of the most influential books in human history. It explores the big questions of why we exist. It's inspired many people to do amazing things. And confused many others. And you've probably got one sitting around somewhere. So, what is the Bible actually? Well, the Bible is a small library of books that all emerged out of the history of the people of ancient Israel. And in one sense, they were just like any other ancient civilization. But among them were a long line of individuals called prophets. And they viewed Israel's story as anything but ordinary. They saw it as a central part of what God was doing for all humanity. And these prophets were literary geniuses. Really? Yeah, they expertly crafted the Hebrew language to write epic narratives, very sophisticated poetry. They were masters of metaphor and storytelling, and they leveraged all of this to explore life's most complicated questions about death and life and the human struggle. So there's a lot of different authors writing this book. Yeah, and these texts were produced over a thousand year period, starting with Israel's origins in Egypt, then leading up to their kingdom with their first temple, but eventually they were conquered by the Babylonians who took them away into exile. Then, at a crucial moment in their history, many Israelites returned to their land. They built a second temple, they reformed their identity, and this is when the Jewish scriptures began to be formed into the shape that we have them today. Okay, the Jewish Bible. What's in it? Well, in Hebrew, it's called by an acronym, Tanakh. The T stands for Torah, sometimes called the Law. That's Israel's five-book foundation story. The N stands for Nevi'im, the Hebrew word for prophets. And this section consists of the historical books that tell Israel's story from the prophet's point of view. Then you get the poetic books of the prophets themselves. The K stands for Ketavim, the Hebrew word for writings. This is a diverse collection of poetic books, wisdom books, and more narrative. And the Jewish people believe that through all of these literary works, God speaks to his people. Now, there were other Jewish writings being produced during this second temple period as well. Yeah, a really diverse group of texts. And these two were highly valued in Jewish communities. And there was debate from ancient times about whether or not some of these should be considered part of their scriptures. So this is a lot of different writings over a long period of time. Why did they put them all together like this? Well, altogether, these texts tell an epic story about how God is working through these people to bring order and beauty out of the chaos of our world. And it all builds up to a hope for a new leader who would come and renew all creation. And then the Tanakh concludes, and this leader never comes. So it's an expertly crafted work, but it's missing an ending? That's exactly right. Now, a few centuries later, a Jewish prophet comes onto the scene named Jesus of Nazareth. He claimed he was carrying the Tanakh story forward. Yeah, so Jesus did a bunch of cool stuff was killed, but his followers claimed he was alive from the dead. Yeah, they said that Jesus was that long-awaited leader who would restore the world. And so his earliest followers, called apostles, they composed new literary works about the story of Jesus. They called these good news or the gospel. They formed an account called Acts about the spread of the Jesus movement outside of Israel. And then they circulated letters to different Jesus communities all around the ancient world. And they saw these writings as part of the scripture. Yeah, the apostles wrote all of this as the fulfillment of that epic story found in the Tanakh. And they were continuing the literary genius of the Jewish tradition. They also believed that God was speaking to his people through these texts alongside the scriptures of Israel. So that's the Old and New Testament. But what did the early Christians think of the other second temple literature? Well, different groups had different views about some of these books, but we know they read them and valued these texts because they passed them along with the Jewish scriptures. 
Okay, so we've got the Tanakh, the Jewish scriptures. We've got these other Second Temple period works. Then the writing of the apostles about Jesus. And that's a lot of literature. So what's in my Bible? So the Christian movement has taken different forms over 2,000 years, and from the beginning, all Christians recognized the Tanakh and the New Testament as scripture. And for centuries, much of the Second Temple literature was read as part of the biblical tradition. The Catholic Church eventually made it official and called some of the books from this collection the Deuterocanonical books. Some Orthodox churches used even more books from this Second Temple literature. And then in the 1500s, during the Reformation, Protestant Christians wanted to go back to the oldest writings of the prophets and apostles, so they accepted only the Old and New Testaments. Okay, I think I got it. But how does a collection of books produced over a thousand years by all these different authors tell one unified story? Yeah, that's the question we'll address in our next video. Ooh, a cliffhanger. A cliffhanger. We don't know what's going to happen. Ooh. <laughs> hey, that video is from The Bible Project. If you want to watch it again or see more videos like that, it's just BibleProject.com. You can check those. They're great. Out. Yeah, they're pretty cool. Connor. Um, before I ask you a specific question, what, was there anything that stuck out to you from that video? So it's crazy to me um, that y'all are watching this video because until I started at ANHT, I had no idea what the Apocrypha or the Deuterocanonical books, I had no idea what that was. I grew up, uh, you know, that very last slide where it said the Protestants decided they were gonna, just going to use the Old and the New Testament. So there are some parts of uh, Christianity that feel very strongly that that other part of the Bible is um, like sacrilegious, like it goes against religion. Uh, and so if you read it, they actually think that like you're a really bad, like that you're not actually Christian. And so I grew up with that belief. They didn't really didn't talk about it. But it's like if anyone ever brought up, it was like, um, you guys watch Harry Potter. Like, you know how people act about, like, Voldemort's name? Like, if anyone ever brought it up, they were like, shh, we don't talk about that. So when I saw you bring that up, I was like, oh, that's so cool, because I only learned about that, like, two and a half years ago. Yes. Anna and Nora, have you ever heard of these extra books in the Bible? No? No. No? Okay. That's fine. Yeah, I, I, so I grew up Catholic, and so coming from a Catholic family, those books in the Bible were just, like, they, they were part of the Bible. You know, and so that's interesting with Connor growing up, you know, Protestant and not, you know, not having those books of the Bible. And even, you know, now, like some folks are like, yo, if you read that part of the Bible, like that's heresy, bad you know, news. yeah, bad yeah so news. Like, if you see the back of a Bible. Normally you'll see like Holy Bible, maybe who made it and you see a translation. But sometimes you'll see this, the with Apocrypha. And a lot of times you don't see that. I don't know what version of the Bible you guys use. But often you'll see it with like the King James Bible. So that's like the one that speaks a lot with these and nows and it's hard to understand language. Uh -huh. That's from 1600s. But the Episcopal Church uses this version. It's called the New Revised Standard Version. A lot of um, seminaries. So if you want to go on and be a pastor or a priest, a lot of seminaries use this version. And it comes with the Apocrypha. But I had no idea. There you go. Uh, Connor, grown adult, learning something new every day. You never stop learning. Always. Always. Nope. So, Connor, I'm curious to know, do you have like an approach that you take to the Bible? Some people read it line by line, literally. Some people take it, you know, 
as story, metaphorical. There's different approaches that you can take to the Bible. Is there an approach that you take as you go and read the Bible? Yeah, so, and I don't know what the Presbyterian Church believes, but um, how I uh, grew up, everyone thought that it was very literal, personally, and what I teach my children, what I teach my kids at, at church, um, is that the Bible is, is um, this giant collection of stories, and its point is to sort of tell about God's relationship with us and what he wants for our life. And when we think about the people who wrote the Bible, they were humans like you and I. And when we look at other writings of that time that weren't the Bible, you know, you see the kind of writings that we see now. People did songs, people did poems, people told metaphors, they used allegory. Um, tradition in the Jewish culture was that they told everything through story and they told it orally. And so really like this stuff going on in the Bible happened, you know, in some portions hundreds of years before someone wrote it down because that just wasn't their tradition. I tell you, you tell your kids, and that's sort of how it goes. So how I read the Bible is, number one, I don't go through it straight through because the Old Testament's hard to get through. Some of it's boring, and you can say that some of it is boring. Some of it's hard to understand. Some of it's really dark because um, things in, well, things now can get really dark. Things in biblical times were very dark. And especially when you're younger, it's hard to understand, like, why those things would be in the Bible. So um, normally I do a reading plan. So I'll read a passage from the Old Testament and a passage from the New Testament, but I'll also read uh, one of the Psalms and then a small passage of Proverbs. So the Psalms are, like it sounds like they're songs. Some churches sing them. And then Proverbs, there doesn't always seem like a rhyme and reason why they are stuck together. <laughs> um, it's just sort of like if someone were to ask you, what advice do you have for people? And you would be like, uh, don't steal stuff, but also like, don't tell a lie, um, but also, like, maybe you shouldn't jaywalk and cross the street without looking. Like, sometimes they're kind of random. Right. But I always think they're interesting. So yeah. I normally read snippets um, because they're all tied together. Um, and I try to get through the Bible at least once a year. Do you feel like God speaks to you during that process I, of reading the Bible for you personally? Yes. And, um, you know, sometimes it's crazy because so since I do a reading plan, I usually just like steal other people's reading plans. If you Google like Bible reading plans, a million will come up. So I just keep, I'll print out random ones. There's a guy who I watched some of his videos on YouTube. He came out with a Bible reading plan this year. So I just took his. So what I am going to read is like already determined. I'm not searching for a specific topic, but sometimes something will be on my mind and I'll start reading. I'll be like, wow, this is really applicable. Hmm. So I'm one of the people who... I don't know. There are people that say that they hear God's voice and maybe they do. I have not ever directly like heard a voice from this guy talking to me, but um, you know, when I'm reading the Bible, either it'll be exactly what I need to hear or I'll read it and I'll be like, all right, that's cool. All well and good. And then something will happen later. I'll be like, Oh wow, that's really applicable. Or, you know, that's, that's really what I needed. Um, mm -hmm. And so for me, I think that's how God speaks to me. Yeah. I feel like, in some in some ways, reading sacred scripture, the Bible, can be almost like a mentor. Like in my life, I've had lots of mentors. And yeah. you know, I'll go to a mentor and say, Hey, this is going on in my life, going on in my life, and like they'll share some things with me. And it's like, all right. And then like sometimes reading reading the Bible is like that too. Like got something going on or whatever, feeling a certain way. I read the Bible and it's like, oh, okay. 
And it's just kind of like some, some helpful guidance. But sometimes it doesn't always align. Like, you know, sometimes your mentor will say something and you're like, I have no idea what to do with this. Like, this doesn't make mm-hmm. any sense to me. I don't think this is true. I don't know. And it just might be that the timing is wrong. And so sometimes that has happened to me a lot too, like reading the Bible. I'll read it and I'll be like, I have no idea what this just meant. I have no idea what it means for me in my life. And sometimes that's okay. You know, we, sometimes in church, we, we get to this, people will like put these expectations on you as if you have to read the Bible, understand it, understand it a certain way and be, you know, believe in it a certain way. But mm-hmm. I found that that's just not very practical, you know? It's not practical. And, you know, like if you guys have social media, I don't know if you do or like you ever hear someone. I think a lot of times um, we have a lot of people in our world that seem like they're really, really big Christians. But, you know, when they, they'll say certain parts of scripture and the way that they're saying it makes it sound like, okay, those people must be right. That must be what it means. But then if you go back and read it, if you read it in context, so not just, you know, the one verse, but you read what came, you know, a little bit before and what comes a little bit after, usually it reads very different than how it sounds. And that makes things tricky um, because sometimes you have to read like two chapters behind it to figure out what it's actually talking yeah. about. Yeah. And I'll, it's, just, it's, it's hard. Yeah. And I'd also add, not just context, but also community, you know, that if you read and if you as an individual or I as an individual read something, I can take that thing that I read and I can bend it and twist it to mean whatever I want it to mean. But if Mm -hmm. I read it with the three, the three of you and my wife and my friend, that's very poor and my friend, that's very rich and my friend that's been, you know, oppressed and my friend from another country, if I read it in community with all these different people with different experiences, then I get to hear what they think about the scripture and those words. And so then I, I get a better, well-rounded understanding of what it might mean versus just reading it myself. You know? I also find it helpful. So there's one study Bible that I actually really love. I've got it in a, like the ebook format. So I have it on my cell phone. It's called the Jewish, the complete Jewish study Bible. And so what it does is as you're reading both the Old Testament, so Jewish people writings and the New Testament, which would be Christian people's writings. And, you know, we sort of follow all of it. um, It tells you what was going on in the culture that it was written in. So things that we read right now, sometimes we're going to like, there's part of Leviticus that says that you can't wear mixed fabrics, which we're probably all um, in trouble for, because I know this is not like a 100% cotton shirt. And for them, those were called like purity laws because back then before Jesus, you had to atone or you had to like make your own sacrifices. So you had to follow all of these laws and all these rules. You had to go and like sacrifice doves and sheep and goats and all of those things in the temple to make yourself pure or like presentable to God. But then as we go to the New Testament, that's what Jesus did, right? Like Jesus did the whole atonement for our sins. And so we no longer have to follow those laws, but because we're not used to it, Sometimes you read those and you're like, what the heck? Why do they care about? And like one of them is you can't eat uh, like seafood, like shellfish. So you can't eat shrimp and crabs and things like that. Like those are considered unclean. So if you don't read those in their culture, you're like, well, this is stupid. This makes no right. sense. We don't know why it's important. Right. Uh, but the study Bible, what it does is it tells you, okay, you can read this. But then if you look at the notes, it'll say, well, in their culture, this meant this, right. or, you know, this is why you did this because of this. And I find that really helpful. 
because then I can read it and be appreciative of it and say like, okay, but for our culture now, that's not applicable. And so it's good to know, but you know, maybe I shouldn't stress about that as much as I already was. Yeah. That's a good point. Good point. Before I ask my one final, very serious question of the day, Anna and Nora, did you have any questions or comments that you would like to, to provide? If not, that's fine. No? Okay. All right. So, and, and, but you have to answer this question, Anna and Nora. If you want to do it out loud, you can, or you can just put it in the chat. That's fine. It's very serious. Is water wet? Yes, because, and I'm just comparing this to light, so I could be wrong. But if you, and like in like science, you'd say like light is 100% light, and darkness is just the absence of light, right? Okay. So like darkness doesn't have a lightness rating. Darkness is just, it, there's no light at all. So I'm okay. going to say water is wet and dry is just the absence of wet. And that's what I'm going with. So yes? Yes. All right, we got one for yes. Nora says yes. Anna has a lawnmower that's about to run her over so she can't unmute herself. She says yes. If it's not wet, then what would it be? And I'm also going with yes. So there it is. We figured it out. It's unanimous. Water is wet. We figured that out and I feel really good. So you have, we don't have to worry about that this week. It's, it's settled. It's a done deal. However, there is one challenge I want to give to all of us. Looks like Connor has already got us beat with his, his uh, reading plan. And the challenge is just to read the Bible. Just read some of it. Grab it. Maybe do a Google search on like, what books to read from the Bible or what book should I read or ask your mom or your dad or just open it up to a page and start reading there. Just, just read some of it. Really good where place to start. Mm -hmm. If you like poetry would be the Psalms. The Psalms is really long. So if you're kind of person that like pride yourself on achievement and completing things, then uh, do Luke. Luke is one of the gospels, but it's only 24 chapters long. So it's the shortest. It's real easy to get through. The, the chapters are very short too. Yeah. So I just think it over. Like I said, ask a parent about it, ask a friend, ask your sister, whatever, come up with a plan for the week, a book to read from the Bible or a section and just read it and, and, and jot, take some notes, jot down. I have no idea what this meant. This is kind of cool. I never thought of this. What's going on here. Whatever you want to write down, just jot down some notes and uh, then we can check back next Sunday and see how the experience was for us. If we liked it, didn't like it, felt like we learned from it, we can, uh, we can chat about it. Cool, good thumbs up, all right. Now I'm about to walk out the church doors here because I'm at church and um, experience this outdoor social distancing worship celebration. So if you're nearby, you can walk over if you like. We're here. If not, that's fine. It's totally fine. We all record it and post it online. You know, I, we're not recording it yet. I should just whip out my phone and just put it on Facebook live. Do something like that. Yeah, I totally should. So I might do that. If not tonight, I'll try to do that next week. So cool. We'll go read the Bible and then we'll check back next Sunday and see how that's going. Uh, until then, thanks, Connor. 
Anna, Nora, thanks for joining us. And we'll be back next Sunday at 530. Bye. Bye, y'all. Bye. Bye-bye.